You're listening to the Bible Belt Bros podcast with my dad and his dumb friend. Enjoy. So, how much did you pay your daughter to do that intro? Um, she got to call you an idiot, so she <laughs> happily did that for free. Well, she called me dumb, right? Yeah, dumb friend. That's it, dumb friend. Yep. Um, so how you like this super nice weather in January? I know my motorcycle's broke. <laughs> Still, when are you? We gotta get that to Missouri, bro. Yeah, um, taking it here probably for my mom's birthdays in February. I'll kill two birds with one stone. Whenever I go to Missouri, they don't want to see me anyway. They want to see the grandson. So yeah, they just want to see Carson. So uh, yeah, but it's been it's been pretty nice weather to go ride. I know that's it got me looking at hiking and camping trips again. That's why I sent you that text earlier. Oh. Because I was like, man, I just want to be outside. So I had class today, right? And we're supposed to go to the zoo for my class today. I have ecology. And um, we're supposed to be in or at the zoo. And today was the best day ever to go to the zoo. Like even in the summertime, I would want a day like today for the zoo. Um, and some my instructor was like, I got a, called into a last minute meeting, so we can't go. So we're like, what? You still take field trips in college? Heck yeah. Only in this one class. But in two weeks, we're going to Sequoia State Park. And then the zoo trip is getting rescheduled. I guess you technically are paying for this trip because you're paying a lot for college. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> so... I'll, but hey, so long story short, we had to have class today, and then we had to have lab, and that was boring. You so, know what else is boring? What? You complaining about your school. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're not complaining about anything, so I got to. I normally do have things to complain about, but... I know, you're not, content this week. Yeah, I'm just, what's up with that? You know, it's been one of those weeks, trying just to get through it. So yeah, I'm I'm ready to go camping again, dude, and hiking. I was looking at Turner Falls also, but yeah, my wife just had a birthday. We went hiking for her birthday. Yeah, it was and a we, nice day. That day. we say hiking. We're in Oklahoma, so it's like walking up some hills. But when I'm when I say hiking though, I'm talking about going to Arkansas to the Ozark Mountains. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, now Turner Falls, that's there's a few small mountains ish. More like foothills there, but hey. And then, I want to go out to the Panhandle sometime, dude. I've never been out there. I hear it's pretty boring. I hear it is too, but I mean, there's got to be a state park or something out oh. there. Gosh. Probably. Gotta check that out. So, well, today we are talking about clergy salary. Today we will get phone calls and voicemails and emails from our pastor friends. And my father. <laughs> father he's probably like trying so hard not to cuss in this car right now as he's listening <laughs> to this podcast i'll hear about it later for now let's get the show on the road. dusty and i want to make something clear uh, our last episode we, were, we talked about tithing and we've had quite a bit of blowback from this one, which we, Dusty and I, 100% expected. There's there's obviously, especially pastors in a church, are obviously going to be on the side that you should tithe. Exactly. And, yeah, so... And that's where most of the blowback has come from, is uh, a pastoral aspect of it. 
uh, and we 100% agree. In the beginning of the last episode, we told everybody that we believe in tithing, or uh, we believe in giving, and that we do tithe, and we do give. Uh, we so, use the tithe kind of as our standard of our generosity, I guess you can say. Right. And here's my view on tithing. Uh, uh, the, nowhere in the New Testament does it tell us to tithe. That uh, the tithe is uh, laid upon my my heart and my uh, spirit by the Holy Spirit, and that is what directs me to tithe. I do believe in tithing, and I believe everybody should tithe. Uh, because that is how we do take care of our church and uh, what our church does, the, the missions that we do, and the mission of the church. If you're going to buy into a philosophy and a vision of a church, yet you're not giving to support that, then what are you even a part of it for? Right. Now, here is what the New Testament does tell us. Second Corinthians 9-7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly and not under any compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you are giving out of a requirement or because you are commanded to by, say, your pastor or by somebody else of influence, then you're not going to be a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is someone who is under the Spirit's uh, direction, and that is going to make them a cheerful giver. They are going to decide what they can give. The Old Testament talks about tithe, which its tithe's literal meaning is 10%. We cannot find that in the New Testament. The the response to that, Andrew, is correct. We should be giving more than 10%, you know, because Jesus is all about generosity. It's all about giving. You're, you're right. Jesus is all about generosity, but not everybody can give 10%. And that's where this passage, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, comes in. Give what your heart desires. Because some people can only give 5%. Look at the lady who gave her last two uh, silver pieces, which equaled less than a, uh, a fraction of a penny. Yet yeah. she still found favor. Because she gave, she gave 100%. <laughs> because she gave what she had left. Well, not she didn't give 100%. She gave 100% of what she had left. How do you know that's not all she had? We don't. Jesus found favor with her because she gave what she had left. Yet these rich people were coming in and throwing in their 10%. It, it wasn't even affecting them. I don't believe it has to be 10%. It could be 5% if that's all you can afford, but you know, you're know you doing it out of the, the cheerfulness of your heart or out of the generosity of your heart and your soul. And, and that's between you, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. problem is when we say this, 20% of the people in the church do 100% of the work and 100% of the giving. I think that's more of an issue than how much people are giving. It's just you need to give. You need to give something that's bigger than yourself, and whether that's through your local church, you need to do it. So it's Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So here Jesus is talking and yelling at the Pharisees and the teachers of the law of that time. Because, yes, they have given a tenth of their spices, mint, dill, and cumin, as was required by the Levitical law at this moment. You say that with so much anger in your voice. <laughs> because I ha this verse has been used at me so much this past week. 
and I have argued this same verse over and over, that this was the law at this time. So that is why these Pharisees and these teachers of the law were giving a tenth. It's because they were still falling under the Levitical law, which Jesus died for. And when he died for that, that Levitical law was erased. They were no longer subject to that. Because Jesus came and he fulfilled the prophecies that were prophesied about him. And he fulfilled everything that he had to fulfill to forgive us of our sins and our transgressions, which is why this law was put in place because Israel kept sinning against God. Right. And so when Jesus died, he died for this Levitical law. He died so that fulfilled. Israel, or he fulfilled it, yes. yes. He did this so that Israel could have a relationship with God without having any requirements in between them anymore. Now, and we say this not saying that that means don't give anything. Right. It's just you're not doing it out of obligation. So you're getting out of love. You're giving out of mercy. You're giving out justice and faithfulness. That's the point. We're giving for a different reason, not for the requirement, not for what Jesus requires us to do, but because of what Jesus has done with us, we can't just keep it for ourselves. Right. In Matthew 6, 21, Matthew has a lot of good aspects on this. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Yes, in American society, we treasure our money, and that is generally where our heart is. And so we need to definitely put that to God or give that to God. So yes, we should tithe to God. I was listening to a sermon. The pastor said, what God blesses you with, he also tests you with. God has blessed you with this money, and he's going to test you with it. And part of that test is seeing if you're going to be faithful with it, and you're going to give back out of the generosity of your heart. He is going to test you, and he wants to see you do that. What's funny is you, you said that Matthew has a lot to say about the tithe and stuff. Well, it's probably because Matthew worked as a tax collector. <laughs> Money was his thing, and um, he was an accountant. He was a tax collector at that time. So, of course, that's probably something that he was asked of a lot in his time there once he started following Jesus. So I really think it's just the terminology. People want to say that there is a tithe and then there's a give more than the tithe, the offering. But I don't know. I mean, I've listened to Francis Chan, to John Piper, and obviously this book as well. And all of them say that that's not to, we don't give a tithe because we're required to give a tithe anymore. It's that that's we lose the point of that, but we give to churches, we give to needs, we give to the poor because what if God's done in our lives, we can't help it but give. What God's done for us, we can't help but do that for other people and lead them to Christ. I think that's the issue is mainly it's the terminology. Whether it's a tithe, people want to say we give a tithe and that's what it goes for. And then people say I give and that's what it goes for. But at some point, the argument's kind of lame. <laughs> I agree. It is definitely the wording uh, that was misconstrued. And um, we're going to make it a point in the future to make our uh, make our views on things more clear-cut and, and definitely separate it from the book 
because we have said in the past that we believe this book goes to a, an extreme level. Like I, I believe the facts in there are undeniably true. Yes, I mean, the research on there is undeniably solid research. Now, their interpretation of that and where that leads us today, I, I think it's a little too crazy. <laughs> Not crazy, but a little too far-fetched. You know, let's get rid of all technology and stuff and just go to the Holy Spirit leading us again, which sounds unreligious to say against that. But So this is probably going to be the case again for this podcast episode because we're talking about clergy salaries. Yes, <laughs> so, so I know you guys are not going to be happy again. So my issue has never been about giving to the church. I mean, yes, there's some issues with how much and why and whatever, but it's more like, to me, of the waste of resources that just stay in the church to help right. the church function. And um, So, Dusty, yeah. let's put it out there. Let's go ahead. We're talking about clergy's salary. Should Correct. the church support the pastor by offering him a salary? In today's world, and probably even back then, well, I would say it is our duty. I said duty. Our duty to support the pastor, but the payment structure maybe could change. We shouldn't keep the pastor poor, but it shouldn't be a life to riches. Right. Okay. I agree with Dusty. Yes, the church. I'm just going to put this flat out there. Yes, the church should pay the pastor. Ever since the laws changed and the separation between the church and state became a thing, um, and we'll talk about that later on, the church was supported by the uh, governments in the past. Uh, and then somewhere I don't remember, Dusty, around the 8th century, it changed to the church. That's, so That's when they started paying out of tithe right that's when it started when because it got shifted to the church away from the government correct and so yes since since we as americans we want separation between church and state then yes the church should be willing to pay the pastor should it be a uh get rich quick type thing no or get rich in the long run (laughs) Uh, it should not lead to wealth yeah i would agree I mean, 100%. unless you're writing books, unless you're using that knowledge outside of the church, that okay, that I'm we're great. That's your talents. That's not you being a pastor, and in which you're required. You're telling people they are required to tithe. But that's even a sticky situation. But we'll talk about that. I think we we'll bring that up later. So with that being said, let's start talking about clergy salary, Dusty. A buddy of ours was talking to me, and uh, he he said how. You know, it's funny that pastors will say, you know, the church isn't the building, the church is the people. And he's yet, and then he's like, but then when the church talks about tithing, they talk about giving the building to the to the building entity, right? And not, and he's like, what if what if there's somebody in my church that's in need, and I have the money to help them with the washer and dryer or whatever they're needing. I could give it to the washer and dryer. Is that giving to the church? But if I give it to my church, by the time it funnels from the pastor to all the different places that it's supposed to go, there's nothing to help them with. We have some people that meet at my church, my house, and we call it house church. And, That's a novel idea. <laughs> right? So what if we gave our ties and we used that money to either help with the people in our house church or we did something in the community or 
whatever. What if we what if we tithe at that moment, but didn't give it to a 501c3 church? Would that be wrong? Or what if I just started a 501c3 church at House Church at Dusty's house? <laughs> you know, as the church name, then is that okay? Like, what makes it okay? Is it having to have a building? And then we're going back to that whole. Oh, so the building is the church. All right. So I don't or does know. it have to follow that hierarchy structure as you were talking about earlier? <laughs> yeah. So it's just funny, and that was a really funny statement when he said how the church, the church on one end says we're the church is the body, not the building, and on the other end it says give to the church, the give to the work of what's going on in this building, as you're giving to your local church. Should pastors get paid, Dusty? You want the long answer? I want the short answer right now. I want to know what you short believe. answer. Yes. Okay, my short answer is yes. So everyone knows where Dusty and I stand now. Yes, pastors should be paid. Let's talk about this book. I'll go further into that. I just want to throw this out there. I was on staff at a church. I'm currently not. Um, so if you're hiring, no, I'm just joking. But <laughs> so I started out as a summer intern, and so it ended up being a two-year free internship with room and board. Uh, and then uh, over time, I ended up becoming a uh, associate youth pastor. Um, but my my payment package was pretty low. It was nineteen thousand dollars after insurance and stuff, and so um, it's pretty low compared to everybody else um, that we're getting. We'll go through here in a little bit. It wasn't about the money. I was following a calling that God had put in my life. All right, Dusty. This book it starts out talking about. Uh, in the third century, the Cyprian of Carthage, he was the first Christian writer to mention anything about financially supporting the clergy. And he argued that just as the Levites were supported by the tithe, that clergy should too. However, we know that the Levites weren't clergy. Right. So I don't understand that argument. I mean, he had an argument there of some sort that made sense or that was valid back then, but this book doesn't really explain it too much. doesn't explain it, and uh, I kind of wasn't paying attention to what you said because I was checking my fan duel, but it wasn't until, what, the 8th century? Well, we're going to get there. Oh, you sorry. slow your horses. Stop okay. checking fan duel. Okay. I'm trying to win some money, all right? I don't make as much as pastors do. Maybe you should go into the ministry. <laughs> no, It's tempting. The other part of that is we knew the we know the Levitical system had already been abolished, so we are all priests. So with that being said, if a priest demands a tithe or a priest should be paid by a tithe, all Christians should tithe to one another. We should just share one another, which is what the early church did, right? Oh, well, they took care of each other's needs. I don't, wouldn't necessarily say they shared one another. But they they, took they care sold of everything they had and gave and took care of each other. Took care of each other. Right. Yes, which is giving. <laughs> uh, so Cyprian was the first. Cyprian was the first Christian writer to talk about all this, and uh, nobody in his time picked it up. Nobody echoed it. Nobody was like, "Oh, dude, you're right. We all should." No, everybody just left it alone, forgot about it. And that died with him until uh, 300 years after Christ, so the, uh, the 4th century, 
some other Christian leaders began to advocate tithing as a Christian practice to support the clergy. Notice it was Christian leaders. So they're trying to get paid themselves. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until the 8th century, as you already mentioned, that it actually started occurring. And that's where they started taking the clergy salary out of the tithe, right? Right. It went right. Tithing spread from the state to the church. So before it was the political system, it was the, the state that paid the salary of the clergies. In the 8th century, it went from the state to the church. Now the church, in the eighth, as of the 8th century, pays the clergy salary. So really, that is all the book has to say about this. Um, it talks about how the tithe, the tithe became required by law in many Western Europe's, however, or areas of Western Europe. However, we're not talking about the tithe today. We're talking about clergy salary. And so. It seems like in the book, Frank Viola is against a pastor getting played by the tithe. Well, he's against tithing. Too. I actually, I'm going to say on this one, I think Frank Viola cowered out. What do you mean? He only wrote, what, two paragraphs yeah. on clergy salary? Maybe it's because he, he still kind of wants to get paid when he goes and speaks places. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think he cowered out. He had no backbone on this issue. He didn't want to say yes. He didn't want to say no. He just wrote the fence. Because you, you know he wanted to say no. Mm. He says no to everything else in this book. Right. And there's nothing else in the Bible directly saying pay the clergy. All right. So since Frank, Frankie, he... Uh, doesn't want to answer it let's ask google Ooh, we're gonna start our new segment today all right what does google have to say about this we're going to take the top three so if anybody wants to go onto google we are going to type should pastors get paid and we're going to take the top three answers and put paid don't misspell the p and the l it's pretty close together so. The P and the L. Oh, my. <laughs> Dusty. <laughs> Sorry. I just want to make sure we're all searching the same thing. Should pastors be paid? The first one is from gotquestions.org. So this is not a Christian website. I do not believe. Oh, I take that back. It is. It's called Got Questions Ministry. So this is a Christian website. Can it be a ministry without being Christian? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not when there are Bible Let's verses. <laughs> no, Dusty, it's only one. Uh, not when there's Bible verses all over this page also. Okay, so. that's a giveaway. Question, should pastors be paid? Their answer, a church should definitely provide for the financial needs of its pastor and any full-time ministers. 1 Corinthians 9.14 gives the church clear instruction. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive they're living from the gospel. We pay people to prepare and serve our physical food. Shouldn't we also be willing to pay those who see to our spiritual food? Okay. Well, oh, snap. That was actually a good analogy. Yes, but I also said it says needs. Right. Needs, not wants, not desires. Needs. We'll expand on that later. First uh, Timothy... They also go on to 1 Timothy 5.17 and 18 that says the elders are worthy of payment. But that's a whole other topic then is the this also says – or that would then mean elders are clergy. Well, it says 
elders are worthy of double honor. Especially those who work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. The worker deserves his wages. Right. That's, we don't, I don't, con, I don't know even know if Dusty does. I don't consider an elder, elder clergy, so we're not really going to talk about that in this chapter. Yeah, not necessarily in our form that we use today. They're not usually on staff. This ministry website does say, yes, a pastor should definitely be paid. So let's go on to the second one. What does the Bible say about paying your pastor? This is from Christianity Today. Because I'm not a pastor, the question of pastor's pay doesn't affect me directly. But as a college teacher, I have the opportunity to talk with students considering seminary. And I hear them ask, Will I be able to earn enough to support my family? I also know that some of my former seminary classmates who are now pastors often wonder if they'll earn enough to give their wives the freedom to choose not to work. The, fact began, the facts began to trouble me enough that I decided to try to answer the question, how much should a pastor be paid? Often people disagree about this question largely because they're not sure what the Bible teaches about it. In fact, the Bible does not give us a simple formula to arrive at the proper amount. But when I examined the two key New Testament passages on this subject, I found that they taught a principle of abundant generosity that was far greater than I imagined. So what he is saying is there are two uh, test or two passages. Uh, again, the First Timothy five seventeen eighteen, in which it talks about not muzzling the ox and paying the worker what he, his wages, what he deserves. All right, the other passage is Galatians 6.6. 6. Let him who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. So the phrase all good things could include money and possession, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. All right, Dusty, what is your take on these two passages? Well... We definitely shouldn't keep our pastors poor, but we definitely shouldn't make them rich. It's also Bible also talks about how it's hard for a rich man to get to heaven, and yet we have a lot of pastors trying to test that theory out. So I mean, I, it's in the Bible, so I'm not going to disagree with it. But I mean, like I said, I I agree pastors should get paid. I think more the issue is the abuse of payment and the structure of payments and those type of things. All right, we're going to skip the third one. The common theme here seems to be, yes, pastors should be paid. Uh, if you get on YouTube and search it, it's three no's. <laughs> I was searching it today. Well, this is not Ask YouTube. Yeah. It's Ask Google. Ask Google. So the common theme on Google uh, is yes, pastors should get paid. So now we are, how much should a pastor get paid? Yeah, well, I mean, it talks about providing for their needs and, and those things. And at the time, you know. So in that case, um, it's going to be dependent upon the area in which you live. Correct. And so here's some statistics that I got uh, from lifeway.com. And uh, it's this is just in our area, just in Oklahoma, but it's, pretty clear around the United States uh, that these numbers are pretty much the same. A full-time pastor 
of a church of one to 25 people. There's two churches that reported in Oklahoma and their package. So we're going to go by their, their package of the pastor's pay. So that's his pay plus his insurance. Okay. And uh, this is not including the fact that as a pastor, you have tons of tax write-offs. You have a housing allowance. So your rents, your um, even some utilities, your you can sometimes you can get your internet, all that stuff you can get deducted from your taxes. So pretty cool, pretty cool deal. All right, so if if you have a church, you're a pastor of a church of 25 people, most likely the average salary is $29,000 a year. Um, the highest is 42, which is kind of pretty high for 25 people in your church. I mean, I don't know how. That's a lot of giving for that one person. Uh, the lowest is 16, so um, 16,000 for a pastor. So if we jump over to, uh, let's say, a church that uh, we kind of grew up in, Andrew, 100 to 150 church. So their average pastor's salary package with 14 or with 35 churches reporting, the average is $64,000 a year for your pastor's package. The lowest pastor makes 36,000, so just just under or just a little over the average for a 25 person church. And the highest uh salary out of 35 churches was $98,000. <laughs> nice. So um, and that's just with 150 people, so that's a bump in ministry, right? You're doing Here's real... what I'm thinking. When I graduate, I'm just going to go be a pastor. Well, funny thing is, you technically don't need any schooling. <laughs> you can just jump into ministry because we'll get to that later. But that's how you know you, just, you get involved and you just kind of move up the chain. And... All right, so next church. Okay, so let's do, let's do uh, 300 uh, to 500. Um, so the average now is 98 thousand dollars and so the average is the highest of the 150 church so you've doubled your payment as a pastor there uh, the lowest salary on that case is 64,000 where the highest salary in that case is 183,000 dollars for a 500 person church you know at our the church we go to right now at, at our prime you know we're running 350 almost 400 Think about our pastor getting paid yeah. that much. It's insane. All right, what's the largest church getting Okay, paid? so this goes up to 1,000 and up, and there's five churches that reported in this. So the average pastor salary for a pastor of 1,000 is $152,000 a year payment package. The lowest is 110000 The highest is $239,000. Jeez. <laughs> That's in a five-person church. So get this though. If you're a pastor of a thousand person church, you probably now are writing books. You probably now are being paid to go speak at other locations, speak at conferences, because you're a pretty successful pastor, especially in the Bible Belt. And uh, so there's a lot of controversy <laughs> that's going on in the world today, and where pastors who write books, so their church will buy the books from the publishing company at retail price and give them free to their congregation. So the pastor now, who's making, let's say, $239,000, is 
also has whatever sales money coming in from the books he sold basically to himself because the church is paying for the book sale so he can give it away. So he's already – I don't know what pastors are really doing that because that would be very unethical. And if you're – Stephen Furtick in North Carolina. Okay, well, Stephen, you're unethical. <laughs> well, there's a big story about him, and he's just buying a million-dollar house, and he had it kind of under a different name when it was being built. I think he's a great guy, great pastor. It's just that's where it goes, you know? And there's a lot of churches that – I don't see – like I said, that's unethical. I can't see pastors doing that. Yeah, there's going to be a bad apple in the bunch, but on a regular basis, I can't see Craig Groeschel doing that, buying them and giving them to his church. Unless he's buying them out of his own pocket. I have seen people do that. That's a lot of – for a thousand, that's a lot of money to be just giving out for your own book. Yeah. Man. But anyways, you get book sales off of that. And so there's there's other outside income that comes with that position. What's really interesting to me, so the thing that bugs me the most is how um, pure American the payment structure is for church. The payment structure of a church is a corporate payment structure. So the pastor is a CEO. I mean, the church is a business. It's ran just like a business. It's staffed like a business. Your pastor is a CEO. He's always the highest paid position at your church. If you have a church or you work at a church and the pastor, the senior pastor is not the highest paid position, let me know and I'll take that statement down. But right, because you are you are an anomaly. You are an anomaly and I would like to meet your pastor. <laughs> like, that is awesome. So – and unless you're one of these thousand church members where he's technically not taking a salary, but his book deals are doing really good, that doesn't count. So the pastors of these churches, okay, so we'll just start at the, um, we'll we'll do the same structure. So one to twenty-five, any other ministerial staff position, youth pastor, worship leader, all that, nobody gets paid in a church of only twenty-five people. Um. Not even a janitor? Well, as, as far as who reported. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, clergy. Um, so let's jump over to the 200 to – well, the 100 to 150. Um, the average is 47, which the average was 64 for a past senior pastor. So it's a $20,000 a year pay raise right. from going from an associate pastor to a senior pastor. So a uh, 300 to 500, the average is 65, with the highest of being 111, where this, the average is 98, the highest being the 183. That's a $30,000 jump in that church. So, and then we go to the 1,000 church jump. So the average uh, ministerial staff position which is funny, more churches reported the ministerial staff than the senior pastor for their records. It's interesting. Senior pastors don't want people knowing what they make. But uh, 78000 is the average for a 1,000-person church where the senior pastor it was 152 was the average. 80000 Well, 70000 78. Well, so, the difference. But here's the deal. The average, it's double 
you get a double payment increase from going to an associate pastor to a senior pastor. Who does not want to be a senior pastor? Well, it doesn't say associate. It could be the youth pastor. It could, it could be, be a children's pastor. It could be pastor. any pastor. Right. Yeah. But any secondary pastor right. in that position, that is the the payment there. And so the problem, and I was kind of thinking like, okay, what sh- what do I think the payment structure should be at a church? You know, instead of complaining about something, maybe have an answer. So. And I'll ask you first, what are your thoughts? What are your – how do you think pastors and a payment structure should be? I don't think that there should be a huge discrepancy. I mean they're both are called to the ministry. Both are called to do the same thing. Time and grade doesn't necessarily make you better. Um, it's at the same point, uh, your education doesn't necessarily make you better. I mean that's the same in real life in the corporate world. And uh, so I think – I really don't think there should be a, such a huge discrepancy uh, between the senior pastor. Uh, however, the uh, smaller churches obviously can't support paying multiple people, um, whereas the bigger churches sh- could. But those bigger churches, I don't think should be – no way mm-hmm. should they be making over 100000 a year. Now, the argument for them making that is an American argument because – they're now a CEO position, so they're over all these different okay, well, areas. Okay, let, let America scream that. We're speaking from the Bible as Christians, <laughs> and we're supposed to be humble. And I don't think anybody uh, – no, this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. But what it is – you know, if I was to go to church on the move in Tulsa, there's a lot more going on. now. The yeah, pastor but the pastor doesn't, doesn't do as much. <laughs> yeah. He does less work and he gets paid the most. <laughs> he's he's over more, but he actually doesn't. He delegates a lot. So so it's just like a CEO position, you know, where you're just you're over making sure everybody else is doing their part and doing their job, and the pastor shows up and speaks. You know, I'm sure somebody's gonna hear that and they're gonna be like, "We, I do more or whatever." And that's there's well there's truth to that. No, there is truth to that because the pastors of the smaller churches. They probably should make more because they do more. Those churches of you know five to twenty-five people, that pastor does everything there. He probably even cleans the building. Whereas a pastor at, you know, I don't know. I'm going to say church on the move. I don't know if you are the pastor at church on the move or if you go to church on the move. I don't know anything about your church, so don't get don't misquote me on this, or don't quote me on this at all. <laughs> don't quote me. But I guarantee you he doesn't pick up a broom and clean that facility, and I, he probably doesn't even do hospital visits. He probably has another minister to do hospital visits. Right, and he, he may at some point, but that's like – Yeah, when they're on their deathbed. No, no, not a hospital visit, but no. he might do those things, those type of jobs here and there. He might see the dirty floor and nobody's cleaning it up. He might clean it up. You know. He might. But but, but uh, look, they got the type of pastor you're talking about of a smaller church. There that they have to do that. There's nobody else to do that, unless they're just some church member that sees it, and does it for him. You know, he's the only one that's responsible for it to be done. So my problem with the payment structure, the Americanized payment structure of our clergy salaried pastors 
the call of ministry on your life shouldn't also be the path to the American dream. When God calls you to a church of 20, a church of 200, it shouldn't, your role, like if you're called to be a youth pastor, awesome, serve as a youth pastor. He doesn't put that call on your life necessarily to make your life easier or harder. But the truth is, if you ever want to make more money or move up, you're going to have to assume the role of a senior pastor. That is the natural transition as a youth pastor to go start their own church or to go to another church as a senior pastor. There's one youth pastor that I've talked to, or actually one senior pastor that I talked to, that has a calling to be a youth pastor. But no senior pastors want him there because he's the same age as them. <laughs> you know, they see, they see him as a threat. And it's just really like I just I struggle with that. And I'm coming from a pretty poor background. A I worked in the church. I even worked for a church, and I was still the lowest paid. And probably because I was okay with it. Probably because I didn't complain about payment. <laughs> in the, and so. There's possible abuse of taking advantage of that and paying, you know, whoever else giving them the raises for the year, (laughs) you know. And uh, so I I struggle with that. I struggle with that concept, you know. And and the second thing I was thinking of is the Bible talks about the body of Christ. God is the head. And then some of us are the hands. Some of us are the feet. Some of us are the heart. Some of us are the nose hairs. We all have a part. And it talks about no part is bigger is better than the other. You'll hear it preached all the time. None of you, you who sweep the floors is no better than me preaching this sermon. Yet it sure does show on how we pay pastors, how we pay some volunteers in our church. It shows who's better. You know that I just I struggle with saying the pastor is worth more than the youth pastor. Or the worship leader. I don't know. That's that's what I struggle. And so I I was having these thoughts, and, and I don't really know how you would incorporate it because in today's church, it's ran like a business, so it would be hard to take that out. And people are doing less than the other people and whatever. But John Piper, I saw an interview with him. He was talking about how he basically said the exact same thing that there should be a system that you judge your cost of living in your area so in different areas it would be different but take your cost of living don't keep them just at the cost of living wage bump them up a little bit but not too excessive not too poor it should just work as a pastor you've committed your life to serve and follow Christ and serve the people that you're over and I don't know I just I struggle with with that path of to the American dream being proved out by the payment structure as you move up in the corporate ladder of church so I guess really the only way to uh, fix that is pastors have stopped thinking so much of them themselves I guess because uh, I mean, I, in in a way, it's a selfish thing. Uh, they're making a great salary. They don't want to give that up. 
there are pastors who don't make crud, and they wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, we know a pastor friend of ours who uh, actually takes pay cuts almost each year uh, instead of taking pay raises. And, you know, I commend him for that. Uh, you know, if the, if there, his church is struggling, you know, he's not going to put a further, a bigger burden on the church because, or just to pay him. Man, I love that. So. Well, and, and I think where I come from is I grew up in a church. My, my family struggled. And, you know, in a Baptist church growing up, you see all like they're pretty open, at least around that time, of what we're paying the salaries. You have the business meetings that you go to and you see this is what this person is making. Should we give him a raise or whatnot? You know? And so you see you see a pastor's payment package of eighty thousand dollars a year, which I think was our was somewhere around eighty. So you see his payment package you see him on Sunday preaching about how you guys need to give, 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 so that again God can bless, bless, bless. And then you're, my family, getting ready to file bankruptcy. We're still giving to the church. And then we're giving to this guy's salary. You know, I don't think a pastor should make more than the average wage in his church members. You know, if the average wage of your church congregation is thirty to sixty thousand dollars that should be the payment payment of the pastor should be around that average thirty to whatever that should be the average that should be the payment of the youth pastor that should be the payment of the worship leader so now we're saying worship leaders clergy <laughs> depending on the church depending on what you're expecting the worship leader to, to do right because nowadays, there's not just showing up and singing a couple songs with the djembe. There's, you know, getting tracks, getting the light cues, getting even a video that mixes in with the song. There's a lot more to it today. Well, that's in bigger churches, yes. Uh, not necessarily in smaller churches. So the book talks about tithing being a burden to the poor, and we're doing all this, and we're making the pastor rich. It's a little extreme, but man, it's not that extreme. There's a lot of that going on. And the way I, way I think of it is the Israelites in the Bible would always mess up a good system. And and they never knew it. They were trying to express themselves or express their gratitude or whatever. And they ended up completely disobeying God and getting off track. And, you know, we, we read those stories and we're like, oh, this, this stupid Israelites, you know, they need to know better. But man, we're the Israelites today. This structure that you definitely don't see this anywhere in the Bible as far as this is how the structure Well, we really don't be. even see pastors being paid in the Bible. We don't really see that either. You see Paul Paul talked about it once, but he also he had his own business and he didn't he talked about it, but he also seemed like he condemned it as far as Yeah, because he also said you see these hands you have seen these hands work for everything. Uh, I didn't take from anybody. I didn't. Or nobody gave me anything. But these hands earned them. Well, he didn't need it. He didn't want to take money from the church. And that—that's another part of the book was to not to not hurt the church by paying your salary. Exactly. <laughs> and then some. 
you know, these pastors of a thousand people, like they, they give away millions of dollars a year. That's awesome. They're giving that away, and usually that's from extra offerings. I gotta say right. that because that's usually not... you give your tithe, then you give to our outreach project. That's the frustrating part for me. You have people in your church that are struggling financially, barely making it. They're committing, and then you got you got these pastors driving around in Benz and Hummers. Not even Benz and Hummers, but you got them in newer cars, not clunkers like the rest of the people. <laughs> That kind of thing. You you got well multiple cars for your family when you know you got. There's one church I drive by every day, and I get aggravated every day because the pastor has a Benz and it's just sitting out front. And he parks in three spaces. Oh, I want to go down there and ram my truck into it every time <laughs> I see it. I mean, he's probably in that thousand person church range where he's probably yeah. on the high side making two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I think about that every time. People see that and they're like, "I'm not giving to that." just pay for your car when i mean my house is getting foreclosed on <laughs> exactly but we're taught to keep giving like the widow did and gave her two last two cents we're taught to keep giving because god's going to bless that more pastors give themselves pay raises at the end of the year that was another study i won't even get to it but the longer you serve at a church also the more money you make just like corporate system now, Corp- this isn't all churches We'll make that clear. It's not all churches. But it is the majority, just like, going by this. I don't know, dude. You had two churches in the lower 25 report, so that's not a majority. That's two churches. Yeah. And you, I mean, you had five churches of 1,000. The majority of these more. churches were the 100 to 150. And how many of those reported again? 35. So 35, and there's 35 churches in Sand Springs alone. It's a small sampling. I agree. We know quite a few pastors between Dusty and I. We know... A lot, actually, especially in the Tulsa area. Most of them don't make this type of money. Nope. Most of them are definitely on the lower end of this scale, and it's by their choice. I'd say maybe lower to mid. Yeah, and it's, it's by their choice because it's it's they're in they're in the church business for the right reason. Right. They got a calling from God, and they're doing it. But I do know pastors. As well, that make more money than the average of their church. Oh, yes. And they're profiting the Word of God. I'll just say this. We'll end on this, if you're good with that. If you want to make some money, start a church or start a cult. Bible Belt.